What's the one thing all great teams have in common? Great coaching. Try to suck up to me, Evelyn. I'm Gordon Bombay, the new hockey coach. All right, let's go! Learn me! Come on! We're Team USA, gathered from all across America. And we're gonna stick together. You know why? Because we are ducks, and ducks fly together. It's the Quack Attack Podcast. Hey everybody, the Quack Attack is back. Jack, I'm Mike, that's Tommy. Hello everyone. That's Kevin. Hey y'all. Welcome to the Quack Attack Podcast, the definitive Mighty Ducks Podcast. Had to whip out the old classic there for the new year. And since it is the new year, we have a new Quack Question of the Year winner. The winner of Quack Question of the Year 2019 is at Highway Hodge, a.k.a. John. John, thank you for being here and congratulations. Thank you very much. I am uh, deeply honored for the award, and I'm I'm very glad to uh, to be joining you for the show tonight. We appreciate it. So, um, John, he started out slow, actually. Stevie Yank started out sl- strong. I thought he was going to have a uh, back-to-back, the first ever double Quack Question Year winner. He was out early. John came in hard then, and then led held off a late run from Daniel S. But uh, pulled away at the end. Ended up winning with fifty nine percent of the vote. So how did you get the voters out there, John? Um, well, I, uh, I I hit up some of my buddies in one of our group chats, and I think uh, three of them maybe voted for me one time, which uh, <laughs> which was great support from my uh, from my friends. And then otherwise, it was uh, like you were allowed to vote every hour. So um, you know, I would I would bug some people or. My uh, my wife was was good about voting several times a day when she was eligible, and I I was admittedly voting for myself as well. So, you know, it uh, it was it's been a goal of mine to win Quack Question of the Year, and I was glad that out of a a strong uh, pool of questions that that mine was picked. Yeah, fifty nine percent. That's a pretty strong percentage. Yeah. Yeah, really. You got uh, the majority. Like I said, pulled away there at the end. His question one more time. Disney commissions a live theatrical version of Mighty Ducks in the style of a Broadway musical that features 8 to 10 original songs. Assuming the plot and dialogue remains mostly intact, when do the songs happen? Who sings them? What are they called? So we answered this quack question without Kevin. Uh, It was just me and you, Tommy. And uh, we started off with an opening number that was right around the times uh they, they run from the adult they play the old poop dollar trick in the uh in the purse and whatnot um and then we have one of bombay singing like kind of a villainy song of driving out on the ice and then we have bombay sort of come to jesus moment skating on the ice by himself we threw a song in there uh, there's a training montage. You don't shoot the puck, you sail it. And then we go to a Banks sad locker room solo. When he, uh, yeah, when he, Spotlight gets on him. Yeah, he, he just sings in his little soprano voice. Exactly. He just doesn't feel accepted there. Um, and then we have a sort of back-to-back love songs with Guy and Connie and then a, a sort of a winter festival uh, between uh, Casey Conway and Gordon Bombay. And then we have a song from Detention in the classroom. And we have a final game number that's we said starts maybe at the stare down, like the Hawks and Ducks go back and forth, and it sort of... Well, uh, West Side Story action? Yeah. yeah. It's like the game is actually a number, like 
It's pretty good. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and then we have a final musical number, the big send-off of Gordon Bombay on, on the bus and the big send-off there. So um, first of all, John, what did you think of our answers for your quack question, which I will say was probably my favorite of the year as well. That's a good one. I, I thought you guys did a did a pretty superb job of answering it. I don't have like a huge musical theater background, but I've I've helped direct a few shows, at least on the music side of things, and I've played in a few pit bands before. And one thing that I think you could kind of get cute with if you wanted to get into more detail is like oftentimes in musicals there will be reprisals of songs. You know, like a a famous example I can think of is that Be- beginning of Beauty and the Beast. Belle sings her self-titled number where we meet her and she meets all the villagers and it kind of fills the backstory for who she is and where she is. And then once she's had that kind of opening, at least in the film, that opening conversation with her father, then she goes out to the backyard and she essentially sings the exact same song, but the orchestration is different and you're supposed to just have kind of that second opportunity to really connect with who she is and why she feels like she doesn't belong. So I think like one spot where you could maybe do that is if you wanted to make like a villain song when the Hawks are introduced, like it could be even called something like it's not worth winning. And then in brackets, if you can't win big and then later on, maybe in that, that final game, the championship game, you could almost do that as like a reprisal of that song, but with the ducks, like having an opportunity to jump in with, as you said, their kind of West side story moment. So I think like, there's moments for callbacks. Um, the other thought I had is I think that Banks number could be done as a duet with his dad. Cause there's Ooh. that great line where his dad says like, well, all his little friends are Hawks. He would rather <laughs> not play than play for your team. And you could have a moment where like the dad is singing about how like, you know, being a Hawk means you're a Hawk and all his brothers were Hawks. And then Adam could sing about like how, no, he really wants to play, even if it's not for the Hawks. And it could be like a very dramatic father son moment, because that's actually missing from the movie. Like they, they have that scene in D1 where the dad basically tells Bombay to go fly a kite. Like his son's not leaving, but then there's never a discussion that we see between Banks and his dad. Like Banks just shows up at a Ducks game and plays. Now, granted, the dad keeps wearing his Hawks gear, but evidently he comes around and is fine with, with his son playing for the Ducks. So I think he can play with that. But again, that's small details. I think you guys did a really good job of answering it. And also, I just want to say, I want to see this musical desperately now. Like, I really <laughs> hope that this podcast and, and your ability to answer the question has has reached the right person at Disney who's like, you know what? We, we're doing something new with Mighty Ducks anyway. Why not create? a theatrical version of the original film with all this great original music. Like, I think it could be great. Uh, and I would, I would pay good money to sit front row and, and see it on Broadway. Okay. A, a few different things from me. Uh, one is uh, that, that scene with Banks and his dad, that'd be the perfect time to, to slide in a, if you're a hawk, you're a hawk all the way. Uh, <laughs> oh, reference. Oh, yeah. Um, and then uh, also they absolutely should do this on Disney plus. They have like nine, parodies of high school musical on there with the most absurd names um, yeah and uh i also think that this movie deserves to be made or this like musical version uh in movie form deserves to be made a hell of a lot more than cats did which i went to go see over the holiday break 
and I made it all of 15 minutes into it before I literally forced myself to go to sleep because I could not handle it. <laughs> wow. Wow. That movie is absurd. I think this could be like a new Disney trend. You know how they're like remaking their animated classics into live action? You make the live action into an animated musical. Uh, oh, animated musical. Mm. Yeah. Just saying, I mean. I'd, I'd re- animated, really? Animated musical. I'd, I'd, re- I'd prefer to see this original cast as a musical. <laughs> original <laughs> cast? Yeah, so would I, but. <laughs> yeah, that's going to be hard. The Hawks coach is dead, so we're going to have to we're gonna have to find a way. Maybe we can use some uh, CGI or something to get him in. Oh, Oh, can I jump in on that? Another thought I had is I would love to see a duet turned uh, or or like developed from that scene where Riley and Bombay are going at it. Because Riley says that great line where he's like, you're not even a has-been. Oh, yeah. You're a never was. And I would love to hear a song based on that moment because I think it could be it could be really good. Like the interplay and you could use a lot of that dialogue. Uh, that so yeah, that was another scene. I was like, oh, that's a great duet opportunity because because otherwise Riley and Bombay like they don't actually share that many scenes. Like like they basically meet each other at the beginning. The ducks get the crap kicked out of them, and then they have that one scene, and then they they don't really talk at the final. So like if you're gonna have them do anything together in the musical, that's got to be it. And I think there's a lot of good material there for for an entire number. I, I, I just want to quickly put out a call to the Quackalites to write some of these songs because oh, wow. I feel like there's a lot of potential um, out there among our, our listeners uh, to write some pretty creative songs for these scenarios. I think also, like, think about what kind of, like, genre of music some of these songs might be. Like, if there's, like, kind of, like, a cool rock song or something like, like that. The, a, a Bash Brothers song. Yeah, something akin to that. And like, could you do that with like the your has been, your never was? Is that like um, they're kind of yelling at each other, you know? Because I know there's part of that in like some musicals where it's you know more upbeat. I definitely see like the uh, Banks and his dad could have some kind of like solo aspect with Banks very high pitched <laughs> and his dad like in a very low like baritone, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Um, it'd be very very funny. That's a big ask, but uh, <laughs> Quack Lights can get on it here. So uh, If everyone just says one song, we'll have it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then we'll send it to Brill. Yeah, 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 we have connections, so maybe we can get this done. Um, I mean, usually, in, after we sort of recap the Quack Question, we, we get into our Quack Question, your winner, his background, and kind of that kind of stuff. But before we do that, we have some more Mighty Ducks TV series news. So just to recap here, um, we got the description of four characters from the dsinsider.com. Uh, it will never not be funny. Such a great name. Uh, yeah. Uh, we have Koob, a shy kid who always plays video games. Nick, who likes to pretend he has his own imaginary TV show. Mary, only described as the popular girl both on the team and at school. And then Lauren, an unpopular girl who likes to wear wings and a cape at school and pretend she's a fairy magician. She tries (laughs) to be friends with the more popular Mary, but she ignores her. So we're going going deep in the online rumor mill here, but theilluminerdy.com. That's a good name, too. Yeah, I'm not sure if that's the correct pronunciation, but uh, theilluminerdy.com. 
came out. This was uh, around Christmas time. And they say the upcoming Disney Plus series will follow 13-year-old Evan, who after being cut from the Mighty Ducks team, gets the coaches and players and all that. Uh, and then they have a description for two players. One of them is Coop. So he's a little little uh, deeper. We go in on Coop. He's an 11- to 13-year-old boy who is said to be heavyset. Coop will never be mistaken for an Olympian, but instead is a hardcore video game player whose skin is pale from long hours of marathon gaming in his downstairs man cave. Though he rarely breaks focus from his monitors, he proves to have an almost superhuman level of dexterity and reflexes that are worthy of a kung fu master. So he's the goalie. goalie. Has to be. So yeah. it's Goldberg. Thank you. Coob is wary of joining the squad and will need to be dragged out of his safe space. So that's deeper on Coob. Uh, uh, just initial impressions on Coob here, John. I'd like to get your thoughts. I mean, I, I grew up a fat kid watching sports movies, so he's kind of made like for me. Like like he reaches a he reaches a, a deep part of my soul. I, I will say though, like I listened to your original episode when you talked about, you know, the original four characters that, that you described, Mike, and they they do all very much, as you said, sound like stereotypes. I mean I, if, if what you're going for is kind of an homage or like a love letter to 90s sports films, like Stranger Things, right, is is very much a, some people would say ripoff. I would just say like like constantly paying homage to great, you know, film and television from the 80s. Maybe that's what they're doing here. They're just trying to, you know, kind of mildly remake every 90s sports movie while also paying homage to them. But I think I think the character of Coob is fine. It'd be nice to know if we knew more about Evan, but that's kind of the thing that struck me is like this feels very much like it's 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 strongly rooted in the nineties, which I think works if you set it in the nineties, but I don't think they're doing that. I think they are you know, they're they're setting it in twenty twenty, which is is I don't think going to be effective if you know, something like Stranger Things is that strongly tied to the eighties, I think it has to be set in the eighties. And I, I think the same is true for Mighty Ducks. Like, I'm not sure how you take these very 90s style characters and throw them into 2020. I feel like that might be a recipe for disaster. I, I also would like to just see the like 90s apparel come oh, back. Oh, you know? yeah. That would be fun. Yeah. They, yeah, they should set it in the 90s. That's a good a call. backwards hats and plaid. Yeah. Bull crazy colors. Yeah. Uh, before going, I, I should stress that this is internet rumors i do not from have the any illuminati though yeah from the illuminati that's true uh i do not have any confirmation one way or the other that this is true or false so uh, have, have they ever could you tell if they'd ever successfully broken any news on anything of significance previously you know i didn't do much research into them um i just uh found this and read it and said well we need to talk about this on the pot so i did not vet them as thoroughly as i probably should have so his uh, name is coob his name is Jaden kubler aka coop coob k-o-o-b coop coob like, okay kubler is his last Jaden kubler okay yeah so then they have a second guy so this is somebody we have not heard of before this is a new character adib samatar aka sam he is an 11 to 13 year old african-american or somali boy sam has mastered skateboard riding and always does things his way 
the thrill seeker rarely turns down a challenge, even deciding to befriend, sorry, befriend Evan after a violent collision on his trusty board. He joins the squad after realizing that he will be allowed to be a renegade. So he's the enforcer? I, 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 will, I will say I, I think this points more towards it being set in present day than 90s because if it was set in the 90s this kid would be a rollerblader not a not a oh not a, you know like that just makes more sense but nobody rollerblades anymore yeah well i think this I, I i can't imagine this not being set in present day yeah just because they're gonna have the the cameos from the ducks one would hope um that's true but my instinct is like oh this seems like a again a little bit of a stereotype but i think it's um i think it kind of plays well um it's interesting how specific it was with the whole scene with Evan, I wonder if like someone saw the pilot script and like them getting the team together or something like that. And this is a scene where he collides with them. And he's got to be able to like make peace with the enemy or something. Either that or Illuminati is just making everything up. <laughs> yeah, yeah which, I mean, a website like that. Um, you know, kind of reminds me of other like team building movies. Um, like our guest said, it's like you know an, an homage to like other like team building nineties and like. Think of even like remember the Titans were like oh Louis Lastic is like oh I just you know I hear football I come running and I figure if I gotta be in school I may as well hit somebody it's like oh haha that's so funny um, then he has trouble like passing his classes and they really you know gloss over that um, but <laughs> this seems like uh, like a decent character um, I'm I'm curious to see um, again some of like the apparel choices for these kids and one thing that always stuck out to me about the original ducks is like all the pads that these kids wore it was like oh very safe things like that so i wonder if they'll actually make it realistic and give sam no pads so mm. r.i.p herman boone by the way <laughs> oh yeah he died, he, he died in last is it uh, herman right yeah is that what I'm saying? yeah yeah oh yeah i he didn't know that uh, john your thoughts on either a dib samatar or herman boone <laughs> Um, the, the one comment I'll make about remember the Titans is that every time Ryan Gosling comes on screen in whatever latest, you know, heartthrob film he's in, all I look and see is, you know, the liability at cornerback. Five-time player of the week, five-time player of the week, (laughs) you know, like, like I get that he's, he's attractive to many people and, and all that, but no, I mean, no disrespect. The guy's a great actor, but obviously vastly overrated corner. Like he almost cost him that title. But anyways, the, um, uh, the dad in that is just so over the top. Great. Yost! Like, Yost! They're taking Alan out. <laughs> Yost! <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 I can never like not see that ridiculous scene of him dancing in the dorm room. Oh yeah. He was like dancing yeah. some, like weird country shit. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'll say this. I, I wish somebody had given me when I first saw that movie, like, you know, just some basic odds for like, this guy will be eventually become the number one heartthrob in Hollywood. Yeah. Because like, what would you get on that? Like 10,000 to one hundred thousand, like, like it's printing money. Because I, I think people guy, would, uh, would assume it would be sunshine. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Or, or even like Donald face who had, you know, like a, a big, a bit of a bigger scrubs. career at that point. Like, yeah, I don't know if he's necessarily a heartthrob, but like Ryan Gosling wouldn't even be on the radar at that point. But hey, credit to him. He's had a great career. <laughs> uh, your thoughts on Adib Samatar, a.k.a. Sam? I mean, he, he I don't think he just feels like a stereotype. And if you find like a kid actor who can be that bombastic without also being annoying, I think that could be an interesting character. Like 
if Kube is just Rui Zoltek from Little Giants, like I'm trying to think if there was somebody on Little Giants who was just a complete maniac, and there's nobody totally coming to mind who's, you know, a crazy thrill-seeker type. So, yeah, okay, I, I can get behind that. It's certainly, like, these three are certainly better than the four that were described in the previous article. So I guess we're moving in the right direction, albeit, as you said, you know, still very early on with uh with unconfirmed internet rumors yeah yeah i i agree i think sam is probably the more most interesting in a good way i think uh who was it mary the fairy magician lauren was a, the fairy magician is probably the most interesting in a bad way i get some uh jesse hall vibes here like a brash sort of i don't know i always thought maybe it was just his dress but i always thought jesse was like an extreme extreme skate or rollerblader or whatever so um yeah i can i can kind of see that for sure i'm i'm interested in in old sam here uh so let's move on now to our winner uh it's a little different because we've talked with john a lot was the trivia runner trivia runner up banner year for john i know it's just a great uh great run for 2019 it's i don't know if you can keep it up in 2020 but we'll see here um (laughs) John, just uh, we know you're from uh, Canada, from uh, Manitoba. Um, just how do you, how did you get into the Mighty Ducks? Do you remember your first viewing? What is that sort of origin story like for you? Well, I was I was born in '91, so I, I think I'm a little bit younger than than you guys. So you're like, I don't remember the. Okay, so like I don't remember the first film coming out, but I remember I had a cousin who got D2 on VHS tape when it was like pretty new on home release. Like, I don't think there was D3 out yet. So every time we would go over, we would all watch it and uh, me and all my cousins. And we would pretend that we were the ducks when we would play hockey and stuff outside street hockey and stuff. And when D3, like, I don't think I saw D3 until I was maybe in my teenage years. And by that point I'd seen, D1 and it wasn't until maybe I was 15 16 I got a copy of all three movies on DVD and I wouldn't say they became like annual viewings for me but I would watch them like pretty regularly like two three years wouldn't go by without me watching the trilogy and probably my biggest like and this is very recent but um kind of endeavor into furthering my my fandom into the franchise was when uh, my cousin Jeannie got married in Minneapolis uh, I want to say summer of 18 like yeah about a year and a half ago Um, because when we were going to Minneapolis I was looking for some cool stuff to do and one of the things that came to mind was like oh I should like check out some of the spots where they filmed D1 and while doing that research um, your show popped up and when your show popped up, first of all, it was like, wow, this exists. Nice. Like that's pretty cool. Um, and then also we of course had like, like where I live is like an eight hour drive from Minneapolis. So on the way down, I listened to some shows and on the way up, I listened to some shows. And, and at that point, like I was really, I was really excited to watch the movies again, just from listening to some of your episodes um, and I was just like handpicking at that point, some, some that looked really interesting. And then once I got back home, I started from episode one and I listened to the whole backlog. So 
like the last year and a half with all the discussion from the podcast, I found myself watching them more and more, but like as a kid, they weren't my favorite movie um, or my favorite franchise. I liked them, but like for me, little giants was always number one and probably big green was two. Nice. Um, and then the ducks would be like behind that. But as an adult, they're, they're definitely the ones that I've watched the most and, and it helps that there's three, right? It helps there's, there's a trilogy and yeah. it's a real franchise. But I would say, you know, as a kid, D2 probably caught my attention the most, but then I've gotten more into them kind of as I've I've enjoyed listening to your show over the last, like, 18 months. Do you have a, a favorite or a least favorite episode of ours? Oh, okay. So the one that I think, <laughs> because since I, I moved into, my wife and I moved into our house, when I started listening to your show and so we got back from the wedding and then I had a whole bunch of stuff to do. Cause as a teacher, right? Like you got to take advantage of, of summer to get stuff done around the house. So like one of my jobs that I had is I had to paint our deck. So I stripped it and I was painting it. And so it's funny, like depending on where I am on the deck, like even now all this time later, like I can like like little memories poke out of like what episode I was listening to while Ghosts. I was at that part of the deck. So like there's times where like I'll step on like the back step and I'll be like, Yeah, who would win in a competition between the, the little giants, big green and mighty ducks? Like because <laughs> I remember listening to you debate between like, well, who's the best player? Would it be like Juan or would it be oh shit like Becky or would it be so anyways, I that one probably stands out the most, but like I'll remember. I never. I'll never forget. Like looking through the backlog and just seeing some of the questions. Like one of your first episodes, I think, is like, "Is Connie and Guy's relationship really good for the team, or like, yeah. is it bad?" And then I just couldn't stop thinking about it. I'm like, "Yeah, it does. Like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Like, like is Guy really focusing during games, or is he worried that like Connie's going to get hit, or like, is is he more motivated to play well because it'll impress Connie?" Like, I spent way more time thinking about that than I probably should have. So the, the three sport one stands out, but I mean, there's, there's lots of episodes that, that I immediately connected with. It's a good choice. I enjoyed that one as well. Um, I mean, just sort of backtracking a bit. Did you see any landmarks in Minneapolis from where they filmed? So we, we ate at Mickey's diner and we, <laughs> we ended up getting like the same benches um, that Bombay and Charlie sit on, which was pretty awesome. I'm sure they've, you know, been replaced several times since the movie was shot there, but that's where we sat and we ate. And if, if people haven't been to Mickey's Diner, like, have you guys been to Mickey's Diner? I've not. No. We got to do a pilgrimage. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's like unbelievable. Like you walk in and there's like a little bit of room to walk and then you sit on your stool and then there's like a, a, a very narrow counter in front of you that's like just big enough for a dinner plate. And then the staff working behind the counter, like there's not even a r- enough room for two people to walk past each other. Like it's it's one-way traffic because basically there's like, oh geez, probably 18 to 24 inches of space and then like the flat top. And the flat top looks like it hasn't been cleaned in probably 20 years, but in kind of like a good greasy spoon way, mm-hmm. like in a, I'm going to get heartburn later, but I probably won't die. Like that's kind of how I felt there looking at the cleanliness of the flat top. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to get like, you know, sick or anything, but like, it, and, it, and it was super good food too. Like, like really greasy down home, you know, greasy spoon Perfect. type fare. So, but it was great. And, and that was kind of the only big one that we hit up um the the scene 
from my research, if I'm remembering correctly, the scene where all the kids send off Bombay and he gets on the bus was shot like maybe a block and a half from there. So like we saw it, but there's no real like landmarks. It's, yeah. just, it's just a street, you know? So, but, but and, and I mean, we went to Mall of America as well. And we, we went by like the, 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 it's since changed names and changed hands, but like we went by the movie theater there. I'm not sure if that's where Averman is selling movie tickets in D2 or not, but like, so we went through Mall of America, but I mean, that was more just to, the mall of america rather than like scope out duck hot spots but it was really cool to be uh be there and go to the diner where uh i mean it, it returns in d3 like there's there's a lot of of cool stuff shot there so it, it was pretty neat yeah i mean speaking of d3 we have a contentious debate here about the the correct order in terms of quality of the movies uh kevin is big three d3 guy what is your ranking from uh, best to worst of the three movies in the trilogy? My, my ranking is pretty controversial, and it kind of flies in the face of what I talked about earlier, <laughs> uh, because my, my number one by quite a, by, by quite a distance is D1. Mm-hmm. And then I think there's like, not huge, but a relatively large drop-off to D3. And then I think there's a relatively large drop off again to D2, which wow. I would say is unequivocally the worst one. <laughs> wow. That's, just, I, that's probably the first. I don't know if we've ever heard that before. Unequivocally the worst one. Uh, I, why do you say that? Well, I, uh, I, I, the, the main reason that I love D1 is D1 is, is Bombay's story. Like the kids are great, and seeing him bond with Charlie is great, but really, Charlie is you know a, a a character with whom the audience is is supposed to bond but like he represents young bombay like bombay looks at young charlie and sees himself and his character kind of mirrors bombay as a kid and so even though charlie plays a large part in the movie like i think at the end of the day it's bombay's story and we see his his arc right we see him as the arrogant lawyer who doesn't care about anybody or anything other than winning court cases even if it means you know helping dangerous criminals avoid prison (laughs) and then he finishes the film you know uh uh not caring necessarily about his career like he's he's willing to get fired for the kids by the end of the movie and even when it's time to take the penalty shot, he doesn't necessarily want the best player to take it. He wants Charlie to take it because Charlie deserves to take it. Because uh, he knows, first of all, Charlie got hooked. And secondly, he's been working on the triple D, can work to get better. Like all of those themes of fair play and humility and, you know, uh, being a member of a team, I just think are so powerful. That's really why I like that movie. And Charlie serves, I think, as a way for Bob A to kind of um, almost teach those to his former self, if that makes sense. It's supposed to represent him as a kid. And what I like about D3 so much is that it's Charlie's story. Bombay factors in a little bit here and there, but it's really Charlie's way of accepting that, you know, life is changing, things are moving on. Um, Bombay moves on from the team. And Charlie, I know a lot of people don't like Charlie in D3 because he is whiny and he can get annoying, but to me, that arc of Charlie starting out as this cocky kid, um, you know, it, it, it almost mirrors D1 in a way where Bombay is so obnoxious at the beginning of that film. And it takes Charlie a little bit longer for his arc to come into effect. But by the end of the film, he goes, he, you know, he becomes 
not only a great player, which is something that wasn't necessarily the case in D1 and D2, but he becomes a great leader, I think, when, you know, he really becomes one with Coach O'Ryan and, and they get on the same page and they end up beating the varsity. The reason I don't like D2 is that I think they basically tried to repeat Bombay's arc from the first one, which I don't think they execute very well. And further to that, like, I, I think it cheapens D1 a little bit because when Bombay learns all those lessons in D1 and you can see his transformation as a character, it, it kind of, I don't know, it, it, it bothers me that it's like, oh, and then the next film, he forgot those lessons, but then he learned them again. Only this time yeah. he learned them from Jan instead of from Hans. Like, like, I don't like seeing Bombay quit on the team. I don't like seeing him being late for a game. I don't like him seeing, seeing him bagscape the, the, the Ducks. And the other thing, too, is, and I remember this from your episode where you had the writer from D3 on, but he wrote D3 essentially canceling out D2. And D2 almost cancels itself out at times. Like, they have to start with the mini ha-ha waves and Bombay being a hockey player but they bring that back after about five minutes, right? Like it, it barely factors in and they throw out Casey's storyline. Like the romance is over. Like I see D2 as a, as a pretty sloppy sequel where they take a lot of the best parts of one and don't, I either just repeat them or take them away. And then D3 I see as a real continuation of the story. Like I almost think that watching D1 and then D3 makes more sense than watching one, two, three, like two just to me feels like a completely separate thing. And, and so that's why I ranked them in that order. But again, I know it's controversial because a lot of people like D2 the most. I just think D2, I mean, for me, it's the weakest, but I almost think it's better to view it as like a standalone film because then you can just appreciate Bombay's arc from, from you know, where he loses his, his, his way, you know, and he stumbles and he falls and he gets back up. I like that. I don't like it after watching D1. I think it, just again, in my opinion, I think it cheapens it a little bit. You know, I think um, one thing we need to do is find someone who hasn't seen the Mighty Ducks and then show them one and then three. And don't tell them that there's a D2. Oh, interesting. And see, and, and just be like, oh, hey, they added some some players. Um, don't worry about it. And see if they're like able to follow everything and then like reveal to them, oh, here's D2. Or, or, or maybe be like, oh, then watch D2 between and let them and see what they think. Because maybe then they'll also think like, oh, yeah, one is better and then it's three. And then, oh, yeah, two sucked. Because I do think, you know, looking back to it, I think we're all nostalgic about D2. Um, you know, I, I remember very vividly, like, um, you know, being enthralled with, like, the Olympics in 96 and things like that. And, you know, oh, yeah, Team USA going all the way. And, you know, really kind of having that patriotism as a kid. And so that's why you like D2 a lot. Yeah. But now looking back, I do think, like, D1 is, like, if you're going to be a film snob, like, if you're going to be ranking them, it's, like, D1 is probably the best in terms of just pure, like, Except that it's D3, but... <laughs> no. Well, Kevin is just a, a regular snap. Yeah. No, I know what you're saying. And I think... I think, yeah, D2 has some great characters, but everything John said is a valid criticism of it. And I think the key for John is he does not have those star-spangled glasses like we do. That's a good point. Where we're all Team USA. And it's not even mentioned, if at all, like in D2. Yeah. So anytime USA dominates in something, I'm like, in? Like, <laughs> even if it's like the great outdoor games or something. So I think that not having, like, not having that sort of uh, viewpoint is interesting to hear from John. Uh, John, you mentioned it, like, watching it as a kid. Was it 
strange to watch like a Team USA be the hero instead of your home country. I mean, in Canada, so much of our media is American anyway. Like, you kind of just get used to it. Like, I, I didn't bat an eye because, I mean, you know, like, I, I'm not sure I saw like a real Canadian made film until I was an adult. Like, it just, the Canadian film industry is very small. Um, you know, the vast majority of our media comes from the States. I remember as a kid loving the Bash Brothers. And I think that's a big part of the reason why the movie um, resonated with me, like just seeing Portman and Fulton just laying waste to guys and then like Kenny Wu getting in on it. And I remember loving when Dwayne, you know, ropes uh, Sanderson in, in the Iceland final. Like those were moments that really resonated with me. The fact that Canada wasn't in it, I think was actually better for me because if they showed Canada losing, it might've bothered me. <laughs> but the fact that Canada is just like, you know, they, they, they're at the beginning, I think when they show like the tournament standings, Canada's in the opposite division as the U S and I think they're like two and O and it's like, okay, good. They're winning games. And then at the <laughs> end, they're just not around and they never explain like, you know, what happened. Cause I don't think Canada made either semifinal. Like I think Russia, like the U.S. beat Russia, and I forget who Iceland beat. But anyways, um, the one thing I will throw in is, like, my my father's um, mother's parents were both were both Icelandic immigrants. There's a lot of oh. Icelandic um, people in Manitoba or people who have Icelandic heritage. And I always got a kick out of the fact that, like, Iceland was represented only in that movie because really until I became an adult and started actually, and I've been to Iceland now, I've like, I've, I've experienced their culture and their, their country, which is incredible. Like that was just my only perception of like where my, my great grandparents came from, which was quite funny. Um, and I always yeah. got a kick out of the fact that there were like these evil Vikings. But on the <laughs> flip side of that, my best friend as an adult is named, uh, well, his name's Kyle. I call him KJ. But the reason I mention it is because he hates these films, like hates them, can't stand them, thinks is they're he terrible. A friend of yours? And <laughs> yeah, but but here's the deal: I finally asked him why one time, and he's like, because like the like D two was was the big popular film when we were growing up, and my buddy KJ's dad is from Trinidad and Tobago, oh. like born and raised there, immigrated to Canada in like his thirties, and so he was like, imagine like. Big and we all we also grew up in like a super white part of Winnipeg. So it's like first of all, like my family was the only like black family or or family of color for like miles around. And then in my entire childhood, I saw my culture represented once in media, and it was <laughs> it was tie dye playing, um, <laughs> a steel drum playing, um, you know, uh, Belafonte with the goal. Like, yeah. it's like it's such a terrible. And I appreciated your episode too, and I sent it to him. And he's listened to it where you interviewed the guy who plays the coach for that team. Yes. And they described that scene where they were supposed to cut a coconut in half and yeah, have two players take a sip, which is like unbelievable. Like, I don't want to sound like, you know, felt like, like the super PC culture that, like, you know, because I think sometimes we take political correctness a little bit too far. But the idea that even in the 90s, people thought that was okay. Like, hey, yeah. we have black um, islanders here for a tournament. Why would they drink from a water bottle when you could use a machete <laughs> to cut a coconut in half yeah. and drink the sweet milk from inside? So, anyways, he he hates the ducks for that reason because uh, he sees it as a very derogatory um, representation of of his dad's culture, which it is. I mean, it is. Yeah. But 
anyways, it was just always funny to me. And it is, especially now as an adult, like as a kid, one of my cultures was represented. And then as an adult, it's like me and my best friend are both represented in very different ways, but it's, I, I just think it's hilarious um, that uh, of all of all the countries in the world, it's Trinidad and Iceland. But <laughs> anyway, I, I think that the uh, the upcoming series could maybe um, uh, really help out with KJ if there is a Trinidadian uh, player or family mm. that maybe is yeah. more accurately represented. Um, I know they said Sam is African American or um, Somalian, yeah. uh, which is interesting. So I, I wonder if his parents were like refugees from. Uh, you know, the 90s or something like that. So that'd be some great backstory. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there might be a rather large Somalian um, population in Minnesota. I, I might be making that up. Uh, but I do think Minnesota does have um, like a, a large number of like African immigrants there. Um, again, I could be making that up. Who knows? Um, but we'll see uh, how they uh, approach maybe um, some of the different cultures and maybe they can make amends and you know, Brill, if you're listening to this, you know, maybe get a little uh, Trinidad culture into the uh, one of the episodes. Yeah. I do a lot of defending of the Mighty Ducks. I cannot defend that one there. So. <laughs> uh, any questions for us before we sort of pass the torch here and move on to the quiet question? Um, I'm sure you've talked about this on air. Maybe not in detail because I can't remember, but like when you got like like did you just start this podcast to be like more people need to talk about the mighty ducks or did you did you just get so encapsulated by this series that you decided to start a podcast like what came first was it the podcast idea or was it just the desire to share the the wonderful series that this is like what came first and i think mike if i'm remembering correctly you were kind of the catalyst behind the show but like yeah. Why the ducks? That's, yeah. that's just that would be my question. Why the ducks? I will speak for myself, and then Tommy and Kevin can jump in if they need to. Um, yeah. So I started thinking about this in college when I would just have random conversations with people. Like I don't know, you're in college, you just sit around and talk about stupid stuff, and and most people had some sort of opinion about the ducks, and then you could break it down. Uh, it was always a, a favorite of mine. So I figured I was like, I don't know. I, just, I, I think I was also thinking about starting a podcast just because I love podcasts. So I was like, I think we like there's a lot to break down and make fun of and really get into here. And uh, I did not foresee this going the way it went <laughs> uh, with all the like theories and Bombay being dead in D3 and Hans being a drug kingpin. I could not foresee that, but I knew there was a lot of like random stuff that when you watch it, you sort of sit back and be like, oh, that's definitely interference. He's checking two guys away from the puck. And I was like, we need to talk about that. So I would talk about that in college. And then um, when we, Tommy and I, used to work together on the same floor and we were the we worked at night so we were the only people on the floor and we just started talking about um bombay there so one night and we got into a a deep argument and i was like it was respectful yeah it was respectful but uh, I, i could tell tommy knew his stuff so i was like this is the opportunity i've been waiting for and i was like we should start a podcast and that is, uh, and Tommy for some reason said okay, and then it went from there. And then I was walking to the bathroom, and they just shouted at me, <laughs> "Want to be in a podcast?" And I said, "Yeah." Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that's uh, that's pretty much it. Um, I I do have like a love for um, talking about kind of inane movies, and uh, as you can probably tell for some of these topics coming up with like very odd hypotheticals and making them a lot more serious than they probably should be. Um, and I think Mighty Ducks kind of affords us the opportunity to do that. Um, just very much like a lot of these tongue-in-cheek arguments we're having. It's like, oh, you know, Miss McKay was actually a time traveler, if you think about it. <laughs> it's like one of my favorite, like, um, essentially internet movie arguments is um, the whole Jar Jar Binks is a, a Sith Lord. And it's like, no, that's not the case. But it's just like a lot of fun, the argument that kind of goes into it. And so that's why I see this podcast as a way to have fun. And I think we're, like, talking about things that, like, no one has, like, actually talked about. Um, and so we're able to kind of really form, like, like new opinions and you know be creative and use our imagination as opposed to like there's a thousand podcasts about star wars and like you know it, it's great and everything and i love all the the lore and all that stuff but at the same time it's like you know you'd love to be able to kind of think about what about the extent expanded universe of other you know shows or cultural icons and you know here, here's a way for us to kind of have a lot of fun with it and so that's what i really get a lot of out of it is just kind of the conversations um, and so I think that was the most enticing part of the uh, starting the podcast to me. Kevin, anything to add? Uh, no, I just enjoy being the wild card. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't. I wasn't sure how I was gonna go, and uh, I think we we found our uh, we found our groove somewhere ten to twelve episodes in, uh, and it sort of evolved from there. So, and I think there's been a couple times where maybe we started to lose steam, but then like it picks up either with a big guest or some yeah. kind of big news. And like the uh, the announcement of the uh, the new TV show, I think has just kind of given us this, the steam needed to to continue on, and and we're gonna keep going until uh, Brill gets us our cameo that we so uh, so deserve. much deserve. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, John. Any other questions for us? Oh, that's oh, that's a good question. Um, <laughs> I am enjoying having just the opportunity on your show to ask you whatever I want. That's a lot of power that I hold. Um, I know that you've all talked about like your, your orders in the past, like Kevin, you're Mr. D3. That's correct. Yes. And Mike and Tommy, like, like refresh my memory. What's your number one? Uh, I've always said that, um, two was my favorite. Um, but I do believe that one is the better film. Um, but my ranking gun to my head, it's two, one, three. I would agree with that with the same sentiment. Like, I fully realize D2 is a very flawed film and is basically a repeat of D1, but I love it anyway. Like, my... it was, I had the most fun watching D2. Yeah. I just the characters, Iceland, Bash Brothers, all that. So, uh, yeah, I, I fully realize it's flaws, but I can't stop loving it. So, uh, yeah. I no, I think it's important to distinguish, and I, I appreciate how you distinguish between like your enjoyment of the film versus like the quality of the film, because there are some really awful, just terrible movies that I enjoy watching over and over and over again. So, like there are there are definitely things that I would like say, you know, are 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 good media, and there are also things that are like, well, I, I enjoy this despite the fact that it might not be perfect. So, and I, and I. And I know a lot of your listeners, I'm sure, like D2 the most. And so I'm not trying, I don't want to, I don't want to just sound like I'm crapping on it. Because I, I do, <laughs> at the end of the day, enjoy watching D2. I just don't think it's, it's the same caliber of, uh, of, of one, certainly, and, and to a lesser extent, three. I, I totally get that sentiment because I, I watched Swordfish for like the 1200th time the other day. And it's such a terrible movie, but I just can't <laughs> I love stop. love Swordfish. <laughs> All right. We, 
Oh, so go ahead, John. Well, sorry, I was just going to say, yeah, there are just some movies that resonate with you, right? And you don't pick the movies that re- that resonate with you, like, like, like they just they just do, and and you have to like, like I literally I was at a conference right before Christmas time, and Star Wars: The Phantom Menace was on cable at like eleven o'clock, and so I watched the second half, and I was I wasn't feeling well, so the next morning I I, I stayed in the hotel room for a little bit, and they and cable just happened to be running the first half of that movie, so I literally just watched The Phantom Menace in Chicago for for no reason, and I loved it. It's a terrible movie, but for some reason I. I like watching Star Wars: The Phantom Menace, and and so I I, I totally feel you. I, I saw Phantom Menace like twelve times in theaters when I was a kid. Wow! Yeah, nice. Wow! All right, we are way over time, so we're gonna take a, a short break here and then come back with the quack question. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We are back, and we have the quack question, a passing of the torch. Uh, John is going to help us answer the first quack question of 2020. If you're unfamiliar with the quack question, you ask us questions on Twitter, Facebook, through email. We pick the best ones, try to answer them. If they're really good, they make the quack question the year nominees, and then we vote for the winner at the end of the year. So you, this could be the 2020 quack question of the year. Kevin, take it away. I, I believe this is a quack question noob. Ooh. Um, uh, unless I'm just completely forgetting or they changed their Twitter name or something. But um, this week's question comes from the Smeeg, who's at Muckasaurus on Twitter. <laughs> um, and uh, so the Smeeg's question is, if Hans Tibbles can get eligibility for Portman in D2, why don't they go after James over Russ? I liked this one because I don't think we've ever considered this before. Yeah, so so the Smeeg is assuming Portman is over age, and they they got him eligibility through some uh, Danny Almonte birth doctoring, mm-hmm. which is n- not a stretch at all. Yeah, like and, a teenager. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So the question is, why not Russ's brother James over Russ? Because James appears to be the better player. That's true. He does. And, and I mean, it would help to have more size against Iceland. That is true. Um, I mean, my thoughts are, I mean, they don't really do it. It's Conway sort of comes and gets Russ. And Russ is this kid who is just talking in the crowd all the time. So Conway gets Russ and brings him to Bombay. So I'm not sure Bombay even knew Russ had an older brother before he was on the team. Mm, that's a good point. But Bombay definitely did not know, but Charlie did. Yeah, so but, bad, bad talent. Well, I'd say it's probably good, um, like, loyalty Morals. shown by Charlie. 
Also, he's like, oh, he's got that specialty shot because mm-hmm. he could probably be like, like, oh, here's something we don't have, and also here's something Iceland knows we don't have. Like he doesn't know we have, mm-hmm. and so this is like p- potentially good scouting because you can't prepare for that if you haven't seen it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and we should mention. In addition to Bombay, as the Smeek said, Han slash Tibbles probably did not know anything about Russ or his brother at this point. So it was really a Conway thing. Um, John, your thoughts on on possibly getting James on the team over Russ? Well, the first thought that I had, this is a little bit of a sidebar, but I was thinking about Portman being introduced to the team in D2, and Bombay says, what, that's a teenager? And Tibbles just says hormones and shrugs and walks away. <laughs> but like something I've never considered is like when he says hormones, like, yeah, he might just mean like, well, he's a teenager. They're full of hormones. But maybe he was also like shrugging and being like, yeah, he's been in like illegal hormone therapy for yeah. for months H-H. leading up to this tournament. Like that, that might be a deep dive, you know, for a future mm. episode if, if you want to. Like, because if anybody was going to, you know, force a teenager to undergo like a legal hormone therapy for a gold medal, it's going to be, it's going to be Tibbles. But um, getting, getting more to the question, I certainly think if you can get James, you get him. Like I know that Russ has the shot, but this was one of the topics I had to debate for the trivia tournament. And if Russ's whole thing is that he's got this unstoppable shot, like Bombay doesn't even use him in the shootout at the end of D2. Like you'd think if there was ever a moment to use his skill set, like that's it. And if you look at them even just side by side, it's like, who do you want, James or like his shorter, slower, chubbier brother? Like, <laughs> I, I I think you get James and, and annoying on top if of that's that. an option. Yeah, I I always just assumed he was old, like too old. But but you know the question giver makes a good point in that um, you know if if Portman's not over age, um, then then it stands to reason James might not be either. So I, I think it's it's certainly a good question. Yeah, so I think in terms of the hormones thing, that is definitely what happened. I mean, Bombay, or Tibbles comes into Bombay talking about baboon ligaments, and he knows a doctor. So Tibbles Ooh. has some connections Whoa. to some shady doctors there. Um, yeah, I I think Tibbles played it by the book here. He's uh, obviously a lot riding on this. They lose one game, he's almost fired. So I think, yeah, he... He sort of skirted around the rules, but technically didn't break any, or didn't break any in a way he knew he would get caught. So I think, yeah, James was just too old, but Portman, although he might have been more advanced in a, a bodily way in terms of his actual age, he's still there just because of his secret hormone therapy. Secret sauce. I, yeah. I think you also have to consider, too, is that you would have to imagine that there would be more scrutiny on this move to begin with. Cause it's like mid tournament. Yeah, that's true. Which we've discussed before is like, how was this even allowed? But it's know. like in uh, in hardball where they had a G baby at the end. Yes. And at first the coach, like the opposing coach coming up, goes to uh, <laughs> protest it. He's like, this kid's not on the roster. And then he sees him and he's like a little, like four foot kid. Doesn't he's like, like, Oh, okay. Yeah, he's yeah. like, okay, that's fine. I can see them being like, Oh, they added Russ Tyler. I was like, yeah, sure. But if James skates on, they're just like, "What the fuck? How'd you get this ringer? He's not on the roster." So I'm I'm always here for a good Cucumbas reference. Mm-hmm. <laughs> nice. Good movie. <laughs> Keanu Reeves' best work. Oh yeah, absolutely. Wow. Yeah. So I mean, I think we answered. Anything else to add here? Michael B. Jordan too. Uh, 
sorry, I'll, I'll add one thing quick, mm. just as like a fun 90s fact. Um, the guy who plays Portman named Aaron Schwartz, is it? That is uh, Aaron Lohr. Aaron Schwartz Lohr, is uh, Dave Carp. Right. So Aaron Lohr, if you watch a Goofy movie, when Max sings, that is Aaron Lohr's voice. Wow. He did all the singing. He was at the Golden Globes. Isn't he married to a Dynamite Zell? Isn't that? Yes. And he was at the Golden Globes. He's married, yeah, to the lady who sings in Frozen and Let It Go and all. Wow. So if they if they did do a musical version of the Mighty Ducks, Mm -hmm. we can get Aaron Lore. Yeah. To do a lot of the vocals, and I guess this Frozen lady who's never this Frozen lady (laughs) to uh, to help out. Anything? Yeah. All right. That was quite an episode, jam packed. Uh, for us, thequacktech.com. Go there, contact us at quacktechpod on Twitter, facebook.com slash quacktechpod. Go to iTunes, give us five stars, tell us what you think Don Tibble's secret hormone regimen was for Dean Portman. Uh, go to the shop, get your gear. Uh, John, follow him at Highway Hodge on Twitter. Anywhere else you want to shout out, John? Um. No, that's that's basically it where you can find me. Um, and I would ask that people who either like agree or disagree with me on my ranking, feel free to reach out if you want to talk about it, debate it. If you again, if you want to argue it, that's fine with me because uh, I don't know many people who put D2 at the bottom. And I kind of want to know, like, is this just like some like. You know, is it is a sizable group that just is afraid to say it out loud, or or am I like the only one who actually feels like D two is 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 the weakest of the three? So I'm interested in getting people's uh, people's takes on that. The gauntlet has been thrown. Yeah, there you go. So remember, ducks fly together. Tommy, ducks fly together. Sorry, I'm <laughs> cracking up my phone. <laughs> <laughs>